0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. I am John Podhorts, the editor of Commentary Magazine, and here are two bulletins for you. Bulletin number one it is time for you to go to iTunes and leave us a glowing, as Rich Lowry would say, glowing five star review. I haven't asked you for months, if not years, to do this. It's very important. Uh, It raises us in the rankings. It makes it it exposes it to more people who can um, it tells uh, iTunes that they should be serving it up to other people as a possible podcast they might enjoy listening to. Um, You guys have been great over the last couple of years in reviewing us and reviewing us in a kindly fashion. You don't even you can you can attack us all you want in the reviews. Just go to five stars. That's very important. It's like Uber. Like if you don't go to five stars, why are you even doing it? At all, because if you don't rate your driver five stars, he's going to come back and rate you two stars. We can't rate you, so we can't punish you, except we could get really boring. We could get boring and we could have bad guests, and it would be really ugly. So we'll do more math go,
1: on air. We'll do more math. math. That's math the on air,
0: and we will assign you math problems. And you will have to do the math problems. So you don't want that. Nobody wants that. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Write something nice or write something mean, as long as it's under a five-star review. Thank you very much. That's bullet number one. Bullet number two, if you want to come to the Barry Weiss Roast, which is in 33 days, um, you better sign up today because we are really, we got very few seats left. I'm not. This is not me uh, pumping, you know, like doing a last minute sale. Like we are actually nearing capacity of the room that we are in. And so if this is something that you have been wanting to do, go to commentary.org roast, and get your ticket because we are really not going to have, in a couple of days, we're going to have to shut the whole thing down and call it sold out, which is, um, by the way, thank you all very much, those of you who have done so, who have bought single tickets in record numbers. Um, it is going to be a packed, exciting thrilling event but you really do have only a couple more days to do that that's the bulletin with me as always executive editor abe greenwald hi abe hi john media commentary columnist and american enterprise institute fellow christine rosen hi christine hi john and associate editor and author of the rise of the new puritans noah rothman hi noah hi john noah i am going to turn to you because we have ten thousand topics uh Where do you want to go? You were mad because we never talked about Hunter, the story that Hunter Biden is likely to be charged. Maybe that's how I'm making the choice, but I'm making the choice for you. Thursday, we got news that Hunter Biden was likely is likely to be charged by the Justice Department for uh, offenses relating to maybe failure to report stuff on his tax returns. And then maybe something else. I'm not quite I can't I can't quite remember what the details are. Oh, flying on a firearm right. license oh that's right okay okay so um this is quite a long strange journey we've been on with hunter biden uh from the laptop onward not that hunter biden wasn't an issue before the laptop right hunter biden was an issue because he was the uh son of the presidential candidate who uh you know had been a crack addict in his 40s and had confirmed and had uh Uh, begun an affair uh, with his um, sister-in-law after the tragic death of her husband and his brother and, you know, had then married somebody else uh, after a month and has has kids out of wedlock. I mean, his his life is just a sort of calamity and disaster. And on the other hand, he has made tens of millions, it appears, he has also made tens of millions of dollars or at least grossed tens of millions of dollars trading off the biden name maybe not tens of millions but many millions trading off the biden name and then the laptop emerged having him having dropped it off uh for repair at a delaware computer shop and uh then kind of abandoned it there because obviously he had other (laughs) things on his mind and then of course the whole thing where they immediately said like anthony weiner that it was disinformation or with the russians made made the computer was a how many intelligence officials 70 intelligence officials signed a document saying they believed it was that the laptop itself was a russian construct meant to get trump elected facebook and twitter suppressed news of the laptop would not publish new york post stories about the laptop and here we are the laptop has now become a main news source uh, in 2022, not only for the right, but for anybody who is trying to get details on what what has been going on with the Biden family. So that's Hunter and the Hunter charge. And Noah, where?
2: What do you um?
0: <clears throat> what do you make of the <clears throat> meta meaning of this?
2: Um, only that if I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this, save that the wheels of justice grind slowly, but the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice. Um, This will just complicate Republicans' um, efforts to hold uh, really public theatrical hearings uh, about the Biden, Hunter Biden scandal and Hunter Biden's connections with the the president and what he said and whether he was the big guy and what got where. Um, If there's an active DOJ investigation uh, ongoing, then there's some things Congress just simply can't do without prejudicing the investigation.
0: I mean, Congress can do whatever it likes. <clears throat> by the way, um, in other words, they they can have those hearings. People can come to the hearings and say, particularly, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> we got a we got a nasty email a couple of days ago about how we clear our throats too much. So now I'm feeling self conscious about having to clear my throat. Anyway, we uh, they can have a hearing. Um, people can say they can't testify because it's before the courts. But if he is indicted. There is absolutely nothing that prevents them from having a hearing, uh, particularly it, if he gets invited.
1: But it does complicate some of the Republican messaging about the Biden family, and I and I say that like from a political perspective, and that's because you know Sean Hannity on his show the other night had this tape recording, this voicemail message that that uh, Joe Biden had left his son, and it was a very thoughtful, caring father's message to a son who's clearly gone off the rails and sort of. Uh, you know, it shows that he, he was doing his best to try to help his son with his addictions, even though his son is an adult and responsible for his own behavior. So that portrait, which I think a lot of people who even people who watch Fox News and Sean Hannity will hear that and go, well, how is that bad? That actually shows a dad really concerned about his son. I think the issue that a lot of voters would be curious to know about is whether there was any Uh, dealing being done behind the scenes or favors being uh, uh, called upon by Hunter of his father when his father was vice president, Uh, any dealings with foreign countries that might not have been above board, all those questions are worth continue, continue to be worth investigating, I think. But that's this issue of, you know, oh, Hunter Biden was a drug addict and, you know, he should be treated like any other citizen who lied on an application for a a gun license. If if that's prosecutable, he should be prosecuted. Other people have been prosecuted for the same thing. Um, He shouldn't get a pass because he's the president's son now, but I do think that that the Republican kind of cruelty about the addiction issue is has never been wise. Um, lots of people have addicts in their family and struggle with with trying to help them. Um, and Joe Biden's family has addicts too, and he has struggled to help his son. So I that part of it makes me uncomfortable when they start kind of drilling down on that. The prosecutable offenses because he lied on a gun application. go go after him, get him. <laughs> Or See, no, I,
0: think, I think we've <laughs> gone down a weird road here because we're talking about uh, you know how the Republicans might mishandle this, and I, I think that's a secondary or third effect. I mean, it will be an earth-shattering event if the president's son is indicted by the president's Justice Department with a guy who was his business partner out there saying that they were selling favors off the, off his father's name, and that and that as far as he's concerned Biden probably knew now that doesn't mean we
3: have to believe tony Bobolinsky. go that, ahead Ed, that is what the angry american conservatives want to get to they don't i, I got to say i don't think they particularly care about the 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 addiction stuff the thing about the hunter's addiction stuff is that and all his his transgressions is that no literally i can't think of anyone who has so exhaustively documented their own their own the history of their own the endless history of their own transgressions like this so he hunter has made that um uh uh he has sort of splashed himself across headlines everywhere with that stuff i don't i don't i don't see that as a like a a sort of um mean pouncing kind of thing but what everyone wants to know about is the 10 percent to the big guy um and i think there's even some sense that oh well if they go after him uh, for this for, for uh, 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 taxes and a, a, a possibly a gun charge this is the this is in exchange for actually uh, prosecuting what we want to see prosecuted here I think there's there's I've sort of seen that bubble up out on social media the other thing I'll say is I think it what this does complicate. Um, it, I mean, to the extent that anything complicates anything here is that is the effort of um, Trump haters to sort of attack Trump uh, based on his rotten family and his family's uh, uh, funky business practices and and, and uh, his, his children um, being dishonest and all the rest of it. I mean, you know, one of the, obviously Biden ran as an anti-Trump, and um, it's looking like his son, his son's going to be indicted.
1: Well, and right. I, to his addiction point, though, those addictions he had are expensive. That's the other thing. How did he pay? Yeah. Who paid for all to all of that? Because there's some questions about how he was able to sustain that lifestyle, given his, you know.
0: Well, we know we know how he sustained it. He did unquestionably have business interests and uh, consulting interests. Uh, that earned him millions of dollars in fees. I mean, that, that, that is known. And then the presumption is that he he was trading off his father's name and selling his father's influence in the way that people do abroad, which is to say, you wanna get close to the guy, you pay off his son. It doesn't really work that way. I mean, this is something that people understand in other countries and maybe not doesn't work as well in understanding American politics. In the same way, except for these text messages that Abe is referring to. That is 10% for the big guy. That's James Gillier, who is a British businessman, um, was trying to figure out how they were going to divide up the money that they were getting from China's largest energy company, private energy company. And in the email, he proposed a 20% split for each of the four partners. Uh, himself and H, assumed to be Hunter, included, and then the remaining twenty percent divided with ten percent to Jim. Jim, theoretically being James Biden, Hunter's uncle, and ten held by H for the big guy. So what we have here is a is a, a contemporaneous text message from a business partner of hunters saying that there was going to be a 10% set aside for the big guy held by H now is that dispositive no is it suggestive yes and um like uh does that is it worthy of investigation yes <laughs> I mean, at the very least, worthy of investigation, so that maybe this cloud can be, this cloud over Biden's head can be removed, because he that maybe this is what Giller and this is what this guy and Hunter were talking about, and this was just another way of Hunter to get an extra ten percent off it by saying, or an extra twenty percent by saying he was giving some to his uncle and some to his dad, but he was actually going to keep it all for himself. We don't know any of that. But I mean, this is something that no one was supposed to see, and that's what it says. And I'm sorry, but once again, if this were Trump, uh, you know, he would have been impeached a third time already. Uh, any if, if if such an email came out about Ivanka or Eric or 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 Don Don Jr., um, yeah, Democrats, that would be it. It would be all over. One of the reasons why the Hunter story from 2015 onward, 2018 onward, or something, didn't quite have the purchase of anything is that Biden was in politics for for 50 years before he became president, and whatever he has a reputation for lying. We talk about this. New York Post, New York Times, piece about how he lies, prevaricating, being a loudmouth, being an idiot. You know, Obama saying "Please shoot me" when he started talking in 2005 um all of that stuff uh corruption was not part of the biden nobody said oh my god it's the biden machine you better you better pay off the biden machine in delaware it's the biden machine he did not live a grand life you know he had a nice house but you know he lived in delaware not an expensive state yeah whatever it's like not you know and then he made a lot of money in 2017 when he stopped being (laughs) vice president the way people do but um no one ever said he was corrupt. So the, the 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 thing, the 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 mitigating circumstance with Joe is signs of it would have shown up before now if he was the sort of person who got tastes from business. Christine, you are squinting. You are squinting like maybe you don't buy what i'm yeah,
1: saying. yeah I, I i mean i like this idea that good old middle-class lunch pail joe never profited from his uh political his his uh, proximity to power but it's not true i mean if you if you look at delaware there are a lot of there's a there's a lot of evidence of, of biden's clout and uh, influence his brother has enriched himself over a multi-decade career thanks to his ties to joe biden uh, Politico did a big story about sort of the the entire Biden family, you know, speaking gigs and, you know, real estate and all, all kinds of ventures. I mean, I think like, like many political leaders who've, you know, I'm thinking Nancy Pelosi, uh, there's plenty on the other side of the aisle too, people enrich themselves as members of Congress, as members, you know, as senators, as representatives, they become wealthy over time. And the question is how and why and are they doing, are they skirting any sort of ethics laws while doing it? Yes, most of them are. And the ethics laws change, you know, here and there. But I don't think it's fair to say he didn't, his his family didn't enrich themselves uh, thanks to his proximity to power. I want to go back
0: <clears throat> to the laptop in October 2020. Now, we talked about this contemporaneously i do not believe that the laptop you know people saying oh my god there's this laptop and all of that would in fact have had an effect on the election people were going to vote against trump were going to go vote against trump that was the nature of this election it was not going to be a successful late hit unless someone had found a smoking gun on it nonetheless so i don't think it would have made a difference had the press accepted it's Uh, you know the the fact of its existence uh and and not gone after the new york post jugular for having published it in the first place not just the press but the democratic party and then these um social media platforms still um it's one of the most astonishing stories of media dereliction of our lifetime that um uh a, a a a Discovery, however, it was made, given, put in the hands of a journalistic institution that got the scoop of the year, was out of panic at the possibility of its having an effect on the election, actively suppressed with the support of media institutions who did not say it is outrageous that Facebook and Twitter are limiting access to news stories about this Uh, because if it had been, they and their news stories had been about Trump or something had been limited in scope. The screaming would have been,
3: would have been unbelievable. And And I also think it was, I mean, if you guys can think of another one, I think it was the single most radicalizing development for people on the right. Uh, if you are worried about how there is a, a, a right that doesn't believe in anything anymore, that doesn't trust anything anyone says, that has that that operates in a in a in a universe of their own narratives. And this is this is ground zero for it. That's and, absolutely and
1: right. That's at, absolutely they right. Did, they
3: did a terrible disservice to the country by by clapping down on this.
1: I mean,
0: it's it remains jaw dropping And I think it's interesting because uh, Christine forwarded to us an interview with Margaret Sullivan, who was the public editor of the New York Times, and then a media columnist for the Washington Post, who just retired, who had been the editor of the Buffalo News for like 20 years. And her column in the Washington Post got more and more and more radical as she went along. I think she started it like in 2016, ended it last summer, has a book coming out and she basically says all bets are off now because republicans are enemies of democracy and truth and therefore you have to go after them however they don't count they don't they are not conservatives are not deserving essentially of first amendment protections or or fair treatment because they're threatening democracy go at this is the leading media columnist for the second most important newspaper uh in the United States has basically gone over to the side that 10 years ago was held pr- primarily by a crank named Jay Rosen who is a uh, also by the way who spent his entire journalistic career was spent at the Buffalo News for, for 9 months and has now been teaching journalism for 45 years because what he knows about journalism can fit on the back of an envelope and he's kind of a preening repulsive little maggot creature on Twitter and in social media. But his whole point is, you know, um, there there are no two sides of anything. Only the left counts. The right is evil in every possible way. And anybody who publishes anything that takes account of opinions that don't further the democratic or liberal or leftist cause uh, don't deserve, you know, this is all...
1: Yeah. And it's not even that furthers the Democratic or left cause. They they don't even see it on those sort of base political terms, they are talking about moral clarity. This is the moral clarity crowd. They're like, we are journalists. Our job is now to I mean, they sound like Joe Biden with his I'm going to restore America's soul crap, but they mean it. And they will they will very selectively tell stories that withhold from the narrative counterfactuals to their own moral vision of what things should be. And I think the Margaret Sullivan interview really struck me because she, it's still
0: you media know, mediaite she, by the way.
1: Mediaite, yes. Was... She, she was asked. One of the things she was asked about was Fox News, of course. So, which is like catnip to any liberal journalist. And she's like, "Oh my God, Tucker Carlson is a fascist. He loves fascism. We, he's very dangerous. He's out of control. The kind of rhetoric. I mean, he's got the most popular, you know, show in in the country, and has for for a very long time. Um, I agree, disagree with a lot of what he says, and I think he does actually uh, do a disservice as a. I don't think he's a journalist anymore. I think he's an entertainer, but her reaction like the idea that she sounds like a she sounds like someone in the wilson administration you know around world war 1 it's like he's a danger to society we must stop him i mean that we have a history in this country of repressing the press repressing journalists who who say things that the that the state for example doesn't want the citizens to hear there's a weird way in which a certain cohort of journalists these days under the guise of moral clarity or you know defending democracy would love to actively suppress other writers because they feel that they are dangerous and that's that's not a good that's really not a compelling message
0: look all writers want to suppress other writers that they disagree with let me put it this way like this whole let's let's not be let's not be you know like ludicrous purist uh the doctrine of a uh, free speech for me and the is pure is entirely defensive. You have to support it so that you're not shut down. Um, <clears throat> we argue in order to win arguments against the other side because we think the other side's arguments are illegitimate and we would prefer that they not be heard and that ours be heard. but it is a necessary evil that they be heard. Because otherwise they'll come after us. That equation, that is it is a mutual defense pact. It is mad, right? Mutual assured destruction. Free speech has to stand because we know you're going to come after us. And if we had all the power, we would come after you. So we better have this truce in the form of the First mm-hmm. Amendment. Um, I mean, not that the First Amendment is really a truce because it is a it is a it is the guiding principle of the country. But nonetheless, uh, and 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 that has been abrogated. Wokeness has abrogated that on the grounds that speech is not speech. Speech is actually violence if it is something you disagree with. And therefore you are not protected by your speech because, of course, violence is always a crime. Um, I mean unless you're you know, unless you're like defending your home against a, you know, an invader or something like that. But, doing violence to another person is prima facie a crime. And so if speech is violence, then it no longer has the protection of speech. And um, that is essentially where this has gone. And it is an analog. This thinking is very much a necessary adjunct to what happened with Hunter's laptop, which is you have to suppress Hunter's laptop because uh, first of all, these people will do anything. So probably the Russians built the laptop and they gave it to Rudy, who was their agent, and Rudy gave it to the New York Post, who was their agent. And so it's all an exercise in trying to destroy the country. And when you're at war against, you know, like some suppression of speech is good, particularly, you know, you don't get protections for libelous or defamatory material and all of that. But it all requires the idea that Trump is a unique threat. Because if Trump weren't a unique threat, then you could have people going, I don't know if we should say the New York Post article shouldn't be printed, but it's like two, three weeks before the election. And maybe this could change the election, and Trump cannot be allowed to win. And so as as, as um, as the person says at the climax of the blues brothers, use of unnecessary violence against the blues brothers has been approved. And that was what happened with the laptop and it's two years later and you still don't hear anybody saying, I'm sorry, oops, what did we do, you know, I mean, uh, that was bad, like we better not do that again or anything like that it's been memory hold, like nobody's business and that's I think one of the reasons that there will be hearings. No matter what, because as Abe said, that was the red that was a red pill moment. That was like we are pe- we will never get a fair shake from these people. And so we have to use what's to
2: hand to even up the playing field. Quite possibly. But I recall, and I'm not an attorney, obviously, but I recall from the January 6 hearings and earlier, actually, during the Trump administration, that it was a <clears throat> it was something that could prejudice an ongoing investigation. If you call witnesses to that investigation, which is why uh, Republicans, when they held Congress, um, did not in a particular event. And I forget what it was. So uh, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't I don't believe I am, but it would just be a a prudential move to avoid Um, to avoid actually uh, undermining the investigation, which they say they want. Now, do they actually want it? Because if the Justice Department indicts the president's son, proceeds to prosecute him, um, the narrative that all aspects of the federal government are out to get you doesn't need evidence to support it. But for those who are persuadable, casts a little bit of a shadow on the notion here that we are living under a corrupt regime. Okay, well, l- l- just
0: quickly, and then we should move on. Um, the idea that you really don't want to be having these investigations when there are ongoing legal uh, legal investigations is really um, a follow-on uh, of the Iran-Contra hearings, because the Iran-Contra hearings were conducted while criminal while the potential criminality of what had gone on was going on. And because of that, Ollie North among others was acquitted um, because the idea was that they they used the jury pool, whatever, how, I can't remember the specifics, but it was that there was a taint from the fact that there was open, testimony, there was no way for him to get a fair trial or something like that because he had testified in court and people had talked about him in court. and so the idea that the jurors were, were going to be able to come to this fresh uh, could not be sustained. I may have this wrong, but in, in any case it's certainly true that that a couple of people in the Iran-Contra investigation were either acquitted or they were their convictions were overturned on appeal because of the hearing. So ever since, people said, no, no, don't do this because there's a special investigation, a special prosecutor, don't, don't have a hearing. But they can have a hearing. Nothing, Congress as a co-equal branch of government can have a hearing in whatever it wants to. And if he's charged on the grounds of a false report on a firearm document, that has absolutely nothing to do with. Two things about it. The other thing is, if he's indicted, which is what the news story last week said, there and the that Merrick Garland is going to have to say yes or no to indicting Joe Biden that the that the indictment is going to be brought to his desk by the Justice Department. That was the leak. So it's now going to be up to the Attorney General to make this, you know call. Um, but if he's indicted, then he's indicted already. Uh, and uh, yeah, they may not care about whether or not he's ultimately convicted or not for these charges. If what's important here is to say, President son has been indicted, he's been indicted on these charges, but there is this evidence that he was engaged in corrupt acts that might have involved his father. And we, as a co-equal branch of government, have to investigate that, because we don't know, since it was, you know, these were Chinese energy companies, whether there was in some way the family was compromised. And, you know, the people can scream and yell and say Republicans are going on a witch hunt. It's going to be a lot harder to make the argument that Republicans are going on a witch hunt if Hunter is indicted. Actually, you know, this is not Benghazi. Like, he will actually be in the legal system as, as, as somebody who has been charged with felonies. All right, let's move on from this. Where are we going now? Uh, where do you want to go? You can go to the debate in Ohio. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't watch it. Um, I Neither just, did I, so maybe we shouldn't go on to the debate in Ohio. Well, there are just um, some
2: interesting moments here from this yes. Times um, write-up of it. Uh, and even the Times sort of discounts as you know discounts the idea that this is going to be a particularly uh, influential debate in a race that is moving increasingly in the Republican direction. You can sense the Times' sense of resignation. Nevertheless, there was some interesting attacks on Vance uh, from Ryan, um, particularly his background as a a very effete darling of um, the uh, professional class and attorneys, and how he spent quite a lot of his uh, time and his raising his young children in San Francisco and what have you. And and Vance didn't really seem to have much of a rebuttal to that, save a lot of bluster about, you know, uh, what <clears throat> what van or what um, Ryan had done in Congress, particularly off you know is his role in offshoring jobs to China and what have you And, and Ryan came back at that because he's very into China. Uh, all this is relatively rote. Uh, with the exception I thought of um, J.D Vance trying to create some distance from Donald Trump, which I found actually um, unlike him I'm trying to find this quote. Uh, oh, first of all, we also had this this't the side. But Vance is is one of these guys who's leading the charge against support for Ukraine, uh, and a lot of we should be very concerned about what Republicans want to do to funding uh, if that comes up uh, for a vote under a Republican-led Congress. But he accused Democrats of quote sleepwalking into a nuclear war um, by supporting the Ukrainian cause, I presume. Um, so then here's this quote about uh, Trump where. Like he, you know, he defended himself because he was accused of fundraising off January six and trying to seek donations from uh, January six uh, people who were involved in January six. And he, um, he defended his himself. But he also said that while he admires Donald Trump, he said, what I don't admire is the failure of accomplishment. And that's really interesting from my perspective, because one, it undermines the notion that Donald Trump's presidency was particularly, Uh, marked by achievements, um, which had not been the line previously, emphasized his appointments to the courts, for example, in particular. But there was this this is something that you if you're a nationalist, you should be supporting his moves on trade, the tariffs that he imposed on Europe and China his undermining of a of a uh, Asian free trade uh, deal. Um, You know, there's, you know, reorienting American foreign policy. There's the sort of things that you used to tout, but now they now we're not touting it anymore so what's left sort of the af- the affectation just the the prickly demeanor um if it if the presidency isn't defined by achievements what is it defined by uh, i don't know what Vance's answer to that question would be but if you posed it to him directly i suspect he would have a um a very long-winded and caveat-filled but nevertheless um, clear uh Account of his support for Trump, Donald Trump, which uh, renders it almost entirely cosmetic. It is really so, just purely about the stage presence of the man, um, which I find which I find an interesting admission because it's it confirms a prior that I've held forever, but it's not one they've been keen to admit to.
0: So how about this is a theory? So he he is literally following the DeSantis playbook. He goes wildly Trump. To win the primary, uh, and then uh, he needs Trump energy even in Ohio to make it through to win this race. But is already signaling that he wants to move off. He wants to be. He wants to go at being an effective person and a governing person. That is literally the DeSantis playbook. Like DeSantis was Trumpier than Trump, made the most the craziest, like, sycophantic commercials and stuff like that. You would have had no idea who he really was from his ads. And I, I don't know.
2: I mean, definitely very- true. But this is something that I haven't heard a, a political figure, much less uh, much less a populist nationalist right. political figure, say out loud. I mean, the the columnists are saying DeSantis yeah. is Trump, but he can actually get stuff done. Now right. we have a candidate. I'm saying, not saying he's saying it. I'm saying he's I mean, what else is the following There's no the, other inference you can what? make from the idea that yeah. the guy's presidency was bereft of achievement. Yeah.
1: But Vance is also wildly outspending uh, Tim Ryan. And Tim Ryan's not getting a lot of support from the Democratic Party in his race. Right. And one of the reasons why, perhaps, <laughs> although I think it's smart and independent of him to say so. And I think he repeated it. He said this a few times, but I think he said it in, in the debate he said he doesn't think Biden should run for re-election. He's too old. He says I think we think he doesn't like Mitch McConnell either, but he said I think we need a new generation of leadership in in Washington. So, he's not actually if if he's not getting the support that the Demo- the Democratic Party has been claiming it should be throwing behind anyone who's up against a Trumpy type like Vance. I mean,
2: he's been saying that since he mounted a quixotic challenge to Nancy Pelosi for leadership. I and mean, right. this is sort of his, his brand. brand
1: yeah. He's also not wrong. I mean, you know, we the, the gerontocracy is, you know, reaching Look, its what's end. It-
0: What's interesting about Ryan is that uh, the data suggests that he is running a competitive race in a state where he should not be able to run a competitive race, even though there was a Democratic senator from the state, Sherrod Brown, but he, of course, was elected, I don't know, eight, 10, 12 years ago. Um, uh, That's a state Trump won by eight. And uh, polls have them, you know, neck and neck, pretty close to being neck and neck. But national Democrats do not believe the polls. They clearly do not believe the polls. If they did, they would be spending $100 million there. They think that the fundamentals of of Ohio are just too difficult to overcome. And uh, I, I think we should take them, I mean, maybe they're so foolish so foolish
2: that they're you know that they're blowing a chance with tim ryan it's really weird um, i mean if the, ha, giving up ohio is a really weird thing to do for a political party i i was trying to well, you're, giving up, this a, you're giving up last night you're giving up a biden, senatorial race no i mean joe biden is the first president to lose ohio since when
0: i mean i, mean, I was trying 90, to figure this out like 28 like
2: Yeah. Something like that. It's It's like like almost something like that. It was.
0: Yeah. Something like that. It was. It's not really a state you can
2: afford to give up on.
0: Well, they may have no choice. I mean, look, Trump, Trump wins it by eight, you know, like in a year where, you know, he should have, he should have um, underperformed in Ohio, not overperformed in Ohio. That suggests that the fundamentals in Ohio have shifted radically and in the Republicans favor. Meanwhile, I, I just kept
3: Yeah, go ahead. I one point about that. I've just been thinking about what Noah said about Vance and the cosmetic admiration of, of Trump. I, I think that misses a little bit of something that's important, which is I don't think it's purely cosmetic, <clears throat> even if you say, well, he failed at, at, at things to say to say I admire him. I think I think he could make a, a convincing case that What he continues to admire is that Trump didn't play by the rules that he was supposed to play by, that he didn't care about the things that we were told we were supposed to care about. And he therefore changed the entire nature of the conversation. And I think that's that's kind of the essence of it at this point.
0: Or um, the populist line has to be that everything is terrible. Everything was terrible. Trump didn't fix it. Biden's made it worse and now this new generation of populists has to come in take their cue from what Trump started but was unable to succeed at for whatever reason maybe it was a conspiracy maybe it was the liberal media or the deep state or whatever but these guys have a better understanding of power and how to marshal it and how to use it and how to con- and how to control Uh, the levers of politics uh, better than Trump. I mean, maybe that's the implicit meaning, or maybe he just stumbled into something inadvertently in the course of a debate that he didn't really want to say. Remember, this is his first time running for office. And um, though he's a, you know, look, he's a, a former commentary contributor. So, I'm you know, he's a very intelligent guy and a very interesting guy and a very, I think, intellectually corrupt guy. But, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience with this and may have you know may have made a real blunder and we'll see what we'll see whether trump you know dumps a truth on him today for having separated himself in some way truth
1: dump that's great the truth
0: dump yeah (laughs) but you know meanwhile not to just dwell on the new york times but the new york times has a story uh as we approach the election as we are now literally is it four weeks or five today it's tuesday i think it's uh Is it four weeks? We are four weeks from election day. And the Times has a story about how Republicans are surging in congressional races in New York state, that uh, because of the failed, because of the disastrous effort to gerrymander the state into a pretzel uh, ruled unconstitutional by state courts and the need to then hastily put up a map. Uh, That 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 wasn't, you know, just an effort to shove every Republican into four districts. Um, I think there are now six competitive races in New York state, all of which are trending toward the Republicans. And this has very interesting implications, not only there, but potentially for Lee Zeldin, whom we talked about yesterday, the the Republican uh, gubernatorial candidate. There's almost no polling in the state. Uh, Siena is the only pollster which swings wildly in the Democrats' favor, and um, Zeldin had this, you know, startling melodramatic thing happen where you know there was gunfire outside his house, and the cops arrested two people who had shot each other under his porch, and he has been running almost exclusively on crime, and Hochul, the sitting appointed governor, has been running against him strictly on abortion and and uh, and January sixth. Against Zeldin, and if there is a surge of support for Republicans in these congressional districts outside of New York City, that could speak to what private polling is showing, or what we're told private polling is showing in the Zeldin race, which is that it's a three or four point race, and that um, maybe he can't get closer than that. Who knows? But that, but if in fact things are trending toward Republicans. And there's a big turnout, you know, you assume that people, there isn't going to be a lot of ticket splitting in favor of Kathy Hochul, literally whom nobody knows, you know, Jack about. Um, And that's another one of these weird data points that's going on here where the story about the generic ballot and stuff like that, the generic ballot still basically being tied uh, are you going to vote for a Democrat or Republican, is being belied by results in states and then by our friend Harry Anton's finding that um, Republicans on issues, if you ask candidates about the issues that they care about, Republicans have never been in a position as strong in, on their issue set with in, at this point in a midterm election since 1946. Uh, which I believe was the largest single uh, swing toward a political party in American history. Seventy-eight seats or something like that went Republican after the you know after World War II uh, and the sort of Democratic dominance of the House. Um, I I think that's right. I, I'm trying to remember the the specifics, but. There's all this sort of these bits of data all over the place that suggest, again, that the that the democratic surge is over and that maybe everything is tipping. And then of course you have the big, big, big thing, which is that gas prices are going up. Gas prices went up eight cents uh, a gallon last week. The OPEC uh uh the provisions that OPEC is going to limit its oil production, which is only supposed to start in November may already be starting to have an effect and if oil prices continue to go up as we approach election day they're by the way it's not like they're low you know they hit a low point like in july or something of around the national average of 360 and the national average is now 393 like it's up 10 percent from its low and it's going up and I think that that magic number, if the national average goes over four and the number on the gas stations as you're driving by them is four or higher, that is a tipping point in the in the voters' minds. If it ticks over four, that's like, oh my God, it's happening again. Not just that you'll feel it, but that you'll have this visual representation that things are going south or in the wrong direction. Anybody?
1: Any- I mean, it's it's already above four in a lot of places, including where I live. Right. I mean, it's it's, but it's notice the the recent uptick is noticeable and and particularly ill-timed, both because it's before an election, but also because of all the boasting and and self-congratulatory backslapping the Biden administration gave itself when when prices started to drop. It's that dangerous game. It's like you know you can blame you blame the president who doesn't have that much control over the economy when the economy goes south, and then the president wants to take credit when it's going you know north. But it I I totally agree, and I think that. This is to your Zeldin claim. We talked about this uh, earlier in the week. Crime and the economy. These are the two things that people feel and experience in their daily lives as anxiety inducing right now. And the Democrats talking about abortion in January 6th and, and the kind of existential threats to democracy that they claim are coming from the other side aren't speaking to those daily anxieties.
2: I mean, the only place is Christine's absolutely right. The only this is a disproportionate phenomenon. The The places in the country where gas prices are relatively low is in the South, in part because they have lower gas taxes and they have refineries and it's complicated. But where is is gas really high right now? Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada and Arizona. These are places that are red on the AAA map. Um, Georgia, not so much, but just about everywhere where you have a competitive contest statewide, you have high gas prices.
0: Noah, you, you noticed that, uh, which I didn't, I don't remember where it was, that there was a poll that had the very Trumpy Republican gubernatorial candidate in Michigan, Tudor Dixon, startlingly competitive with the incumbent
2: Gretchen Whitmer, right? Yeah, well, not, startly, not necessarily startlingly competitive because uh, Gretchen Whitmer was in the 50s in this poll, as I recall trying to find it here we are michigan governor cbs news you go ahead. it was not a no not a nothing poll Whitmer's at 53 percent uh and if you're an incumbent above 50 you're usually deemed safe but this poll found uh Tudor dixon pulling in 47 percent of the vote now that adds up to 100 so, percent so that means they're shoving everybody yes. into one camp or the other Right. Which is, you know, that's actually a valuable practice as you get closer to the election, because undecideds aren't really undecided at that point. But we're not quite there yet. So pushing to that degree is kind of suspect. Nevertheless, push them all real hard. 47 percent of Mich- Michiganders, I think that's what they're called, uh, end up in Tudor Dixon's camp.
0: Uh, it's interesting. I'm just saying, like, what you're seeing is that where Republicans are behind, they are really close. And
2: even that speaks to a potential wave. Like Here's another one like, for yeah, you. This what? came out just yeah. um, this morning. Oh. The Amerist, Joe O'Day versus Michael Bennett in, in Colorado, 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 yeah. Colorado, U.S. Senate. Joe O'Day, 43 percent. Michael Bennett, 49 percent. Right. Under 50. Joe Days a really good candidate and they are and 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 the and the
0: National Republicans unlike uh, Tim Ryan in Ohio the National Republicans are starting
2: to throw poor money into Colorado. Right. You know, and, and I don't Mike Bennett they... doesn't exactly set the room on fire. I mean, he's right. kind of been a, a relatively unknown figure since he was elected in 2010. I mean, he doesn't cut a national profile. He might be better known in Colorado. I don't live there. Well, he ran um, for president. He, did? he ran for president
1: you don't even remember that he ran for president um can i just just i'm sorry to like give a silly anecdote but one of my sons is reading pjr Rourke's amazing parliament of horrors book because i just was like you have to read this it's hilarious and he he came to me the other day and goes mom how many times has joe biden run for president <laughs> you forget how many of these guys actually have been going for the yeah. same chance for decades um, Great books. Go back way.
0: and look at look at the 1980 Republican slate for president. It's pretty funny who who uh, people who thought that they that they had a shot. People who are really lost to history. Phil Crane, congressman from Illinois, for example. Um, but it, it, that is a, that is an interesting uh, sidelight. But it's just again like little bits of evidence that suggest that this note. We should presume that. Republicans are going to have a good night. And for some reason because of this pressure brought to bear by the by the entirety of the liberal media and the fact that we're all, you know, very online, you just you 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 start getting shaken off your foundations by very evan- by phenomena that's really evanescent. Then what's not evanescent? Inflation it turns out is not evanescent. The problem with gas prices is not, and tragically, crime is not evanescent. You know, it's evanescent when the Inflation Reduction Act is passed, when the CHIPS Act is, look, they passed a bill, signed into law. Biden is, you know, incepting a domestic, you know, computer chip industry with Tens of billions of dollars in subsidies or hundreds of billions of dollars in subsidies. Um, This is supposedly, you know, something that unites the like trad cons and nat cons mm-hmm. with liberals and all of that. Nobody
2: is talking about the CHIPS Act. On I, I do hear some Democrats trip. talking about it. They're trying to talk it up, which is interesting because it's such an otherwise for lack of a better word, boring subject, industrial policy. No, but the the commercials that are being
0: run across the country to stimulate Democratic enthusiasm to cause Democratic voters to turn out who would otherwise stay home are abortion and January 6th. Abortion and January 6th. There is nothing about Biden's legislative accomplishments that is being trumpeted to stir Democratic enthusiasm. They
2: expanded Medicare, which is what they wanted to do forever. They're they not- passed gun control laws. Yeah, I know so what They're they wanted not to do forever. They passed cl- the largest climate change bill yes. in history, which suddenly became the Inflation Reduction Act. Again, as we got into the general election phase of this year. Um, but yeah, this is one that I wrote about this at the time. Yeah. It's it would they wouldn't talk about it because it doesn't do what they want to have to do. Gun the gun control bill didn't didn't rapture firearms from the hands of gun owners in this country, which is what they want to do. The climate change bill didn't solve climate change, which is what they want. They want less severe storms. They don't want subsidies for uh, solar panel manufacturers. That's not what they want. They want outcomes that legislative uh, remedies cannot deliver.
0: I think that they have spent... An enormous amount of money on research and what they're finding is that the only thing that can save them is negative polarization. A positive accounting of democratic accomplishments will do them absolutely no good. Scaring Democrats about the coming fascism has some bite. And that is a very interesting factoid if you think about it. It is very interesting because there's negative polarization. They want to say they're taking abortions away, making them illegal. they're going to keep doing what they're going to keep doing it, and they're going to take our our democracy away. And Republicans are saying they're making inflation, they're causing crime, and they are uh they are not dealing with the border. And if you're going for negative polarization effect, which of these two camps do you think, has a better shot at stirring enthusiasm. And I say it's pretty clearly the Republican camp because those are real things that are happening and are there and visible and inarguable. And And the abortion thing has happened, but it has already happened. And the January 6th stuff is real, but it's also evident, like it is a theory about what's going to happen if you do daba daba daba. And the Republicans are saying, look at what they've done, look at what's happening right now that they are responsible for.
3: Better argument. At the same time, I think Noah makes a a deep point here about about Democrats sort of setting themselves unachievable goals and and where that puts them, where that orients them. Um, I think it's right to say that they're not gonna change the climate with legislation. They're never going to get every American's guns. They're not they're not going to eradicate racism either, for that matter. By the way, they've they've staked out the sort of the impossible. um, And if that's all they have to go with, you know, in in the in the realm of the positive, then they have no choice but to go negative.
2: And what's the psychological effect on you if you've been promised all this stuff that cannot be done and then you go ahead and do it and it's it's not really even remotely sufficient to the scale of the problem.
1: Or it, they do it, and it becomes a kind of terrible zero-sum game. I'm, I mean, uh, on the racism thing, that the our our the quick story we should probably mention about the LA City Council and the kind of horrible language that was used by uh, some members against others, which is terrible, but it's also exactly logical conclusion of identity politics at the local level because identity politics is a zero sum game someone has to be more oppressed than someone else someone has to be more victimized in a in a in a systematic way than others so it forces people to turn against each other based on race and they okay, do okay let's
0: oh listen let's talk about the la city council because we have the speaker of the la city or whatever it is the president the speaker the 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 Shaman, I don't know. The LA City Council has had to remove herself as that fi- figurehead, though she stays in the council because she was caught on tape last year trash talking uh, uh, African American members of the city council and a gay member of the city council who has an adopted black son and called the son uh, a monkey in Spanish. And uh, one of the things that this does is give the lie to intersectionality, right? Intersectionality says all oppression is, the, is is one oppression, right? It's white, all this. This is intersectionality, there is no allyship. When it comes down to it and you're talking about dividing up spoils and who gets the political power, who's gonna get this plant in their district, who's gonna get this stadium in their district or whatever, Um, basically, it's a zero-sum game, and if you want, if somebody has something that you want, and you're talking honestly with your friends behind closed doors, you're like, don't let that guy with the little monkey kid get my power plant. Um, So we've got 30 years of garbage intersectionality theory meeting reality, which is like,
1: it also is a reminder that anyone can be racist, regardless of their skin color, yeah. which is another thing that we're not supposed to say these days, yeah. right? Because racism is only unidirectional in terms of the narrative we've that's been constructed yeah. around critical race theory.
0: Um, can I mention one other thing in this relation, which is that the Wharton School at Penn, the business school at at Penn... Um, has announced two new concentrations that you can graduate and become a person in. One is uh, uh, a degree in diversity, equity, and uh, what's I? I can't remember what I is. Inclusion. Inclusion. Thank you very much. And the other is becoming a person who uh, helps your company deal with its responsibilities in relation to climate
2: change. I swear I so, thought you were going uh, into a live read because HR issues can kill you. That's
1: right. <laughs> there you go. There you
0: go. And so what does this tell you? What this tells you is the rubber, again, is meeting the road. If you are deranged enough at a business to hire anybody from Wharton, henceforth, God
1: love you. But they're may, institutionalizing you know, this too. That should worry should yes. worry those of us who think these are very toxic ideas this is in, this is how a bureaucracy creates and replicates and spreads they right. institutionalize this as a legitimate kind of study and degree granting institution does this it will spread yeah.
0: i have a degree in diversity equity and inclusion from wharton hire me so that i can torture you until the cows come home it's like it's the opposite of you know. There was always this thing where you would meet people, very successful people, and they would say they did environmental law. So I knew too. I like one of my best friends from grammar school is a big environmental lawyer with the Natural Resources Defense capital. There's that's environmental law. Then you have people say they're in environmental law. You know who they defend polluters, like they're 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 the litigants helping polluters and, you know, chemical companies and whatever. And that's the successful environmental law. If they were training people for DEI at Wharton to help companies figure out how to deal with this nonsense and garbage and like how to fire people when they start coming at you for diversity, equity, inclusion, that might be a successful venture in the business school world but i don't think that's what's happening here noah you had the list
2: what do we have anything else to talk about we did oh bob menendez so i have an angle on this and i'm not going to share because i'm writing on it later
0: okay so bob menendez and dick durbin and everybody there is now a move and biden announced that this john kirby announced it this morning apparently yep uh, we are rethinking our entire relationship with saudi Arabia because they announced this because they're because
2: they're aligning with Putin um yeah, that's um, that's the new line, which is funny that it just happens to come
0: <laughs> in after October. a week
2: in which well in October first of all, but yeah, after a week in which Democrats were working themselves up and convincing themselves to divest from and dissociate from our agreements with the Saudis because of the OPEC cartel's decision to pair back uh production. Yeah, in October, it's just funny that they just suddenly discovered that the Saudis are playing a double game when it comes to Ukraine. And I'm not even sure that charge is really fully, you know, fleshed out. But we'll we'll dig into it. Nevertheless, it's just it's an interesting, convenient excuse. Ukraine comes up as a very convenient excuse often. Um, you know, Ukraine's responsible for gas prices. Joe Manchin said we couldn't shut down the government because. That would embolden the forces loyal to, to Putin. It's just it's it's a the war is a very convenient way to advance positions you already hold.
0: I just think the wheels are coming off. I'm sorry. I, I,
2: I have no. It's I don't... insanely stupid. I mean, if you put this idea to most voters who don't really follow foreign policy very clearly, they probably have mixed opinions about the kingdom um i'm sure they if, have
0: over, i'm sure they have negative opinions probably negative people. americans have negative opinions, opinions of arab countries but if you
2: told them that we should pull out of the middle east i don't think voters would say oh that's a good idea i
0: think nobody ever went broke attacking an arab country in america since 19 you know since the oil shock in 1973 it's perfectly fine we can also go to war to defend to help arab countries apparently but Nobody ever went broke that way, but it is not a convincing argument to say we are in the middle of a war in which, you know, our foreign policy is now basically invested in the whatever, however we characterize a successful outcome of this war. And now we're, now we're like engaging in hostilities with Saudi. I mean, we're not, not real hostilities, but we're like. We're like opening a new front against Saudi Arabia. Like, what the hell? Keep your eyes. I understand that you're, this is like, tell me you're losing without telling me you're losing. <laughs> right.
2: I mean, do we assume that general election voters are not aware of the diplomatic offensive that Joe Biden went on just two or three months ago? They probably I, Of course thought. they're not aware. They of course probably, they're not aware. I don't know. I, I mean, the the. If you're if you read and if you read media at all, you probably encounter the hand, the fist bump. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you read it, because if if only because the press has made it a five alarm fire.
0: No, they've forgotten that. I'm just saying I think that we have Democrats. And look, I got nothing against America taking a tough line with Saudi Arabia on, on 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 oil prices. I don't care. That's fine. But revisiting our entire relationship with Saudi Arabia, um, like I said, uh, could there be the fact that oil prices are going up? You're trying to scare them into maybe keeping the spigot as open. As, I don't even know what they're doing. I'm at just the saying even, they're looking. It would they're be creating at least, a diversion.
2: Yeah, it would be at least coherent if this was paired with uh, senatorial guidance um, for the administration to start. Pairing back some of these day one executive orders that limit our ability to ex- explore and exploit deposits domestically.
0: Well, that's the ultimate thing. You want to go to war with Saudi Arabia? We start, we, yeah, we explore for natural gas on, on. But what on are we doing lands? instead?
2: We're bringing Restricted. Maduro in from the cold.
0: Yeah. It's just, as I say, I think you look at these data points and you say they're not acting anymore like they think they've dodged a bullet in the midterms they are feeling like things are slipping away from them and they're flailing and going in every which direction and it's four weeks uh until now um and so i don't have any you know hard evidence except the penumbras and emanations from these polls and their behavior but that's so i don't know all right Thanks very much. Five star reviews on iTunes get us up there. People, get, more people will listen, and then you know you're going to be at a barbecue, and you can. Well, I guess it's a little late for barbecues, but I don't know. What you'll be you'll be at a you'll be at Thanksgiving with your relatives, and more of them will be listening, and then you can have a wonderful communal moment where you talk about the commentary podcast and about how I talk too much. With that, we'll be back tomorrow for Abe, Christina, no, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.